Welcome to uh, another edition of the Frontend Coffee Break, a podcast where we take a break from everyday life, grab a cup of coffee or whatever is your preferred drink at the moment that you're listening to us, and just discuss different topics, all Frontend related. As always, I have with me Mr. Don Ricard. Oh, Hello. man, so polite, <laughs> so nice. Please continue to do so. Hello, everybody. And I am Chucho. We're both senior front-end developers at Cognizant Netcentric. And, well, today we have uh, an interesting topic that, curiously enough, well, it is related to some discussions that we had recently, uh, two days ago. I think it was not even two days ago in the Slack channel, in the front-end Slack channel, when they started um, talking, if I'm not, well, chatting, if I'm not mistaken, about uh, some best practices and this kind of stuff. And the topic of documentation came up. You know, it's like, it's always, uh, I think it's always a little bit of a hot topic. There are a lot of people that have different opinions regarding on, on well, not only on how to document, but if you should document. And in today's episode, we'll talk a little bit about this documentation and uh, to talk about one of the available tools, JS Doc. And you're more of an expert uh, than me in, in JS Doc. I've used it from time to time, but you are heavily using it in your project, right? I am, yes, definitely a follow-up from the TypeScript episode a while back. <laughs> what was it, uh, episode, uh, you guys, help me out here. Uh, episode four, why four. that's it, yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, let's talk a little bit about uh, documentation. You know, in one thing that I'd like to talk before saying in the two different types of documentation, because there's more heavy-oriented, light-oriented documentation is, is it important to document and why? What is your opinion in general terms on is documenting your code important or not? Yes, no doubt. So a short question, short answer. Yes, please document your code. Uh, long answer, uh, don't overdo it. Uh, choose where to document and all those things. Now we're going to deep dive into. But, but I think for like big projects, you really need documentation, not only like on the code, but also functional documentation, specifications on how this works, what to expect. So all teams can know what's going on, right? I mean, and I love when I see my code, that is a one-to-one -to, -one to the specification on a Confluence page or public mm -hmm. wiki or whatever it is. I can check my code and it's it's a one-to-one -one match. That's fantastic. Well, uh, one of the things that, that I learned early while in the career, and it stuck to me even today, and I looked, at it, looked uh, for it just to make sure that it's true, is the amount of time that we spend on coding versus the amount of time that we spend on doing maintenance. Well, not coding, but new code versus uh, maintenance. Originally, I remember, that, and it, it stuck to me, that uh, the around 60 or 80% of the life cycle of a software was mostly was maintainable, maintain, oh, wow. maintaining. Yeah, okay. that. but that was like, well, I remember the documentation said that. And while, I'll, while I look for it again, it says, well, in the old waterfall, with waterfall approach and all these kind of things. But I'm sure, or I'm, I wouldn't be surprised that a great amount of time it is um, poured or dedicated to maintenance. So I think that this is one of the most important things to take into account. And also looking for statistics, it seems that around 50%, 40% of the time of some developers is spent on doing maintenance more than uh, doing new code. So I think that documentation is, is important because we spend a lot of time doing maintenance and to make your, your code easier to maintain, documentation, I think, is paramount. Now... 
Yes, yes, Chucha. But how how about? I mean, I'm gonna be the devil's advocate here. But what if I'm in the same project? Let's say I I'm the solo developer, or I've mm. never changed projects, and of course I do new features. But I also do, as you say, maintenance of defects and all components. Why would I need documentation if I already know the code base? I already know how it works or how it's supposed to work. Well, I think that there's two reasons. One of, of them is that because we never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Whether you get changed to another project, you get additional people, more 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 support, or you just don't want to to do this project anymore for whatever it happens. So, um, and you are not taking into account. I don't know if this has happened to you. Have you ever written code that you take that after years or after a long time you go back and look at it and you say? What the heck was I thinking? What am I, was I supposed to do here? I, I mean, it happens to me a lot. Seeing old code. I mean, right now, code that I worked um, a couple of years ago that people are currently working with, they call me, hey, Chucho, uh, could you give us a hand with this code? And then you take a look at, it, at the code a little bit, and it takes a little bit of time to remember what you were writing. So if you are documenting the code correctly, or not correctly, but if you have at least a certain level of documentation, it's going to be easier. I don't know if this is... Uh, yes. You have a counterpoint on this. Or... No, 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 no. I mean, you, you got me there. Definitely, it has happened to me. The same as if I look at the code, I don't know, a year old code, and I see, what is this piece of mm hmm? And then mm-hmm. I see that Git blame, and it's me, it's my code. So. <laughs> I love this. Then I go angrily to Git blame someone, and I see it's me. It's me, exactly. <laughs> no, but, but I get you. I mean, you, we shouldn't have to be like maintainers of old projects if we already documented it correctly and we've follow all the best practices, the code should be self-explanatory and they don't have to call me. I mean, I'm not dependent anymore on that project. That should be the goal. Yeah, and although it is true that sometimes it's going to be something super complex that it, that might be something that it's not easy, even to, even if it's documented, it's, it's not easy to, to understand. They might call you, but the important thing is to minimize this. Now, there's one thing that um, I think we don't take into account when we're working on uh, creating our code and is that you might think that the person that is going to maintain the code has your level. But that is not necessarily true. That's even possibly not even, uh, even if it's close to your level, it's not going to be the same level. I'm saying this because we think that, oh, yeah, I'm going to document the code in a, such a way or I'm going to work with the code in such a way that it's any um, seasoned developer is going to understand it. Well, guess what? A lot of the developers out there that, that are going to work with that code are not necessarily seasoned developers. We get a, a lot of junior developers, for example, or uh, at projects constantly. And if you do code that it's going to be very complex at that level, it might frustrate them or they might just make their work less effective. So this is, I think, one of the things that we don't take into account is that we code for other people and we code for other people that don't necessarily have to have our same level. Yeah, I agree. You shouldn't have to like, oh, you don't have to. You don't have to assume, or you cannot assume that everybody knows or the context or what they're talking about. So if you can just, you know, link to more stuff, or okay, learn more here, or go there if you need more. Then I mean, just expand and not, not like assuming that people know what you know, right? <laughs> now, uh, regarding on how to document, I there's two ways to document, um, or these two, two, I guess I would say two tendencies that I know of. One of them is to create self-documented code which means basically to give meaningful names to variables, meaningful names to functions in order to not to avoid having to write down this function does this, this function does that. 
Okay. I don't know if this is... Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was going to ask you to give me an example of functions <laughs> that are... What, what, what you wouldn't approve on a pull request, right? So if you get, okay, let's say I write a, I write a function that says get items. What would you think? What, well, I don't know. It's what items. Even if it's inside context, in, in a context, you would need to, first of all, you would need to see the context. Like, okay, what are we talking about? What type of items? That would be the first thing. And even even so, it's like, Get items, so I would expect that the function would return a array, array, array. Okay, that <laughs> an array of with uh, items. What type of items? I don't know. So, what type of items are we re- are we talking about? That definitely. So then that's already like the, the problem, right? If you go to a pull request, you don't you don't know the code to the context. You should be able to understand what's going on, even with a, with a one liner. So I would say, for instance, get notifications or get users or get whatever it is right so should you please write long function names uh don't worry if they're long it's fine so if you have a build system probably you have if you don't maybe you should um the code will be minified in the end to production so even if you write okay get users with less than 18 years in the system it's a long long name but it helps you understand (laughs) and it doesn't matter because in the end when you when when you minify this thing it's going to be a a function called a or n or z so it doesn't really matter yeah, and 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 it's sometimes just a matter. I, I think you should just sit down and take a little bit of time, saying, "Okay, so what is this function doing? How can I just in one liner write a good name?" I would say, "Don't don't do a hundred characters uh, name, but in 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 a good descriptive name, how could I say what the function is doing? If you need additional additional um, information, you can always put a comment, you know, on top of the function, which I usually don't do." But if I find that the function is too complex or that there's things that you need to take into account, I usually add uh, some comment at the, at the top of the function. I don't know. How do you feel about this? Um, I do when the logic is not clear, right? So if, for instance, mm. like, okay, I have if something equals something, I don't write it in, in like in English saying, if the user is more than 18, no, because it's, it's the same, right? So uh, mm. my comment and the actual if clause will be the, the same thing. But when it's not something that uh, easily understandable or that it depends on something else, maybe a, a different file or, or some sort of logic, business logic that you, you don't know just for reading the code, then I add a, a comment explaining or linking to a documentation, right? Oh, well, well this is something that, I, that I've seen sometimes now that you mention it. And I do it very rarely because I don't need to do it, which is linking to documentation. I I don't know. It's not something that happens often. But for example, some functions, especially if it's a solution that I found on, on the web, like on Stack Overflow or somewhere, somewhere else, I usually add, um, in those cases, uh, the link to the place that, where I found the solution. Especially it's like, okay, I'm going to give a little bit of context it's because you find a lot of information in that in those pages. So it's like, okay, if you want to look at it, here you go. And sometimes because I don't use exactly the same solution, you know, you take the solution, you fix it up a little bit, and then you 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 work it. But this is something that it's uh, that it's uh, maybe not obvious, but adding a link to the place where you find the source is not a bad thing. I mean, it depends also on your project. I mean, in my case, we're lucky enough to have the consultants who write very very detailed specifications with you know diagram flows and mm-hmm. user journeys, and and I think it, it helps you if you are in, I don't know in a, in a login authentication function to understand the flow, how the users get there, to just link to the diagram, because of course you will not write the diagram again into the code base. You already have maintained in a confluence or external wiki, something else. So, so just link it and yeah, it's 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 free, man. It's a comment, it doesn't take you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now question. 
we have, I mean, this is uh, sometimes when we talk about comments and documents, we think about JavaScript and that's it. But this is not the only thing that needs to be commented. What do you think about that? True, true, true. Um, I even comment sometimes HTML and CSS, right? I mean, CSS, you know, it's like kind of magic because sometimes, I mean, out of context, it's very hard to know what's going on. Like if you see, for instance, I don't know, display, um, whatever, display flex with some sort of alignment, and then you see a translate there and some sort of um, properties that, of course, you, you know what they are, but you don't know in what context what's happening, right? So sometimes I think, okay, I'm, I'm adding this Z index or I'm adding this opacity because, or if it's a hack, of course, when it's a hack, like I need this for Firefox or for the new IE, also known as Safari. Um, if you need it for those, just add a comment saying, hey, this we, we add this here because Safari or we add this here because Firefox. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, I, I don't do it like, okay, you already mentioned JavaScript, so I, I don't mm. use like SAS doc or, or things like to, to create style guides from CSS, but regular comments, yes. How about you? Well, I do precisely what you said. It's in ex Well, I do it for two reasons. I add comments uh, in order to separate sometimes in blocks the, the style sheet because I need to separate it logically. Like, okay, this is the part of this is this, this part, this is that part. Although usually I have, you have different files for each part, but when everything gets needs to be together, I try to, if it's too complex to add uh, just separation, just to visually help out. And the other thing I think that CSS specifically, I mostly document when I'm doing something that when you see it, you go like, what the heck is this? Why is this here? Why do I have like the color twice, which could be? Why do I have this other instruction that shouldn't be here normally? And it's like, um, because of Safari, <laughs> I don't know. or because of this or because of that. But yeah, I think that this is very valuable, especially when you start adding things that don't makes sense when you see them to say, to give a little bit of context, say, hey, well, this is the reason why we have this here. And HTML, I it's not very common unless, well, especially if you're working with templates or um, in our case that we have uh, Sightly, um, I, if I see that the page, the template is very complex, I try to also add a little bit of information. Okay, this is where this this block of the template starts. This is where this block of the template starts. In the end, it's not going to be delivered and it's going to make the code more maintainable. My mantra is to make the, the first thing you need to do is to make the code the, as maintainable as possible. You Nobody's going to give you a price to make, well, in very exceptional cases, they're not going to give you a price for making the most beautiful code. You're not participating in a Google code um, uh, challenge or, or whatever. It's, it's You're making code that is maintainable. Remember yeah, for other humans, like, you don't have to write minified code yourself. Let the machines minify it. <laughs> yes. For HTML, um, I sometimes I feel like, or I see myself adding comments when like I have maybe an empty div for empty section and there, I'm going to render something in JavaScript. Maybe I had a comment saying, hey, here we will render the, the sidebar with something yeah. or things like that. But yeah, definitely those again are like trimmed or, or removed from the final build or the final minification of the HTML. So again, um, no, no worries in there so in terms of performance and things like that. Going back a little bit to, to the CSS, I like when that you you separate um, stuff with, you know, with comments and stuff. But I think we also need to remind like most junior developers that first work on your selector names right i mean if you just ah, no no true, because when, true, when when you add like true. i feel sometimes uh, i've seen like variables saying blue the class <laughs> class blue <laughs> that makes no sense right because again if, if then the color code is red, red. the <laughs> class is blue it makes no sense or, or saying it you know you know item i mean what i mean couldn't you just maybe have notification or have 
first name or something more semantic that you can just, even if you just look at the HTML, no, no CSS, you already see more or less what is the CSS doing, right? If, if you say, a, I don't know, yeah, a class or a, a note called name or first name or person, you, you would imagine more or less what's going on. And I think you just mentioned something very important, which is semantics. And as they say, semantics is king. And uh, the more semantic you write your code, especially when we're talking about styles, the better. It's going to be easy, easier to read, easier to remember what to be expected. And in, and sometimes I have to say that sometimes I, I just remember talking about this, um, that sometimes I add a little bit of code. I don't say if this is that, but I do put a little bit of context. Also to separate or give me a little bit of breathing air between code. So you can always add a space, but sometimes I, 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 I add code like that just to help me out, um, make it more readable. And speaking of readability, let's go to the topic at hand, which is JS Doc. You've worked with JS Docs. Tell us a little bit about what it is and your experience working with it. And why you should be using it. Um, <laughs> and why you should be using it. <laughs> so if, if your project uh, does not have TypeScript, is the next best thing. Because I mean, TypeScript already gives you the power of you know documenting each function param and the return and each variable. And, I mean, with TypeScript, you you will know exactly what everything is, right? But if you're not using TypeScript, I mean, we already talked about it in episode four. Go back to it. Um, JS Doc helps a lot. I mean, at least for me, it's I cannot now live without it. It's um, so we have a function or again get notifications with two parameters, right? And then one would be, um, I don't know, list, and another would be whatever, a Boolean called uh, is is shown, right? But you don't know that. You don't know it's a Boolean. You don't know it's a list. Okay, that's the list is what? is an array of strings, an array of numbers, an array of objects. You don't know anything. But by using JSDoc, which is in the end is just JavaScript comments, you can just add these comments before your function, and it documents each param, and it documents each... Um, each return on, on a standardized way so everybody knows how to do it and how to document it. And it, and it helps you because you go to the function, you can read the, the comment before it, and then you already, you already know what the function expects and what the function will return. And, and I think this is just the most basic things that you can do in, in with JSDoc. There's yeah. a lot of other things that you can add with annotations. And but this just adding the, the type of object mm -hmm. and the purpose of the object it's quite a bit. Now, there is something um, that I really love about uh, JS Doc, and it's one of the few things that I like about TypeScript, and is it is the autocomplete or the IntelliSense. What can you tell us of your experience working with it, or what it is? Oh, it saves you so much time, man. It's it's again, I cannot go back to live without it because. When, when you have all your functions documented, right? Again, with JSDoc or with a little bit of TypeScript here and there uh, with some types interfaces, um, when you type whatever, notifications dot, you will see already the options. You If it's a, if it's a string, it will give you the options, the, the functions for, for a string. If it's uh, an array, will, you'll have the array functions after it or the properties of the object, whatever it is. And, and VS Code and other IDEs are, are smart enough to, to understand that and, and they help you just code faster. Right, so I I really not dislike, but I I'm very skeptical of developers that say no no I code with TextMate or Node plus plus and things like that with no plugins and I'm like, sure you're an excellent developer, but the brave and the bold, very brave, but 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 no way you 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 are coding fast enough and then again if you're building the client just be honest use a plugin go faster and build them less right, so. 
it is one of the things that I missed the most moving from uh, full stack, um, working with Java and the backend uh, to going all full front end. I remember that that was, I guess, one of the biggest struggles, just being able to, in the in Eclipse back then, just starting to type and say period, and then immediately seeing all the relevant options, because you do get by default a lot of options, but get, seeing all the relevant options. And I'm really, I mean, um, with VS Code, I've, I've uh, some projects that I've worked with JS Doc. Yeah, you say like the type of, of value that you are passing is an array and you are just da, 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 dot and immediately the options that you get are those of an array. So it's easier I mean, to work with this. And I think you can take it to a step further, right? For example, if you're passing objects can in, in in classes, well, objects that are based on classes, can you, and this is something that I've seen work, but I don't know if you've worked with it, um, have like in um, with JS Doc, uh, let Visual Studio give you more hints about the the. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, if, if you have defined an, an object and you know, the way the properties are defined again, if the function has, I don't know, yeah, called let's say list, right? And you say each uh, each item of the list is an object, and you have uh, item name, item date, item ID. All those things are defined on the JS Doc when you're typing inside your function, and you do item dot. You will see ID, name, age, whatever it is that you've defined before. So it already is context aware, and it will give you hmm. properties available to you. And and yeah, and, and it will also highlight if something is wrong. So let's say that you've defined that this object, object, yeah, notification, whatever it is, it has only five properties, and you type something that it's not there, or, or just make a typo, right? The, it's, it's what's called H, but you type double G. Whatever it is, and it, it will put it in red, saying, "Hey, are, are you sure this, this is correct? Because uh, it's not, not defined like this." And um, and this is the reason I don't like to use TypeScript because <laughs> with tools like JS Doc, you have basically all the things that I need. Uh, this personally, that's a, yep. a personal a personal choice. And I remember since we we talked about uh, episode four TypeScript, I have been working more and more with TypeScript. And I have to say that I got frustrated a few times, like, um, but it's basically because of of the linter that we have. But yeah, it's learning again. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, going full TypeScript, it's it's you never go full TypeScript. You it's... never go full TypeScript. <laughs> no, <just kidding. laughs> Moving on, uh, other types of documentation, Tucho. Um, would you consider unit testing documentation? No. No, <laughs> it's a hard no. And I have a very specific reason and you can change my mind. Okay. And this is one of the discussions that we had today in, in the Slack channel. And because have you ever tried reading um, unit tests? They're like super complex in order to actually test some of the features. And you, you're looking at the code and it's like, what the hell is this code doing? What Where does it go? Is it, I mean, it's trying to get, I mean... They may they have some uh, a lot of tools just to in order to take to to test something that sometimes in my experience in my opinion it looks just too verbose too complex too uh, in unnecessarily complex. Okay, we will refer the listeners back to episode ten uh, unit <laughs> testing. Uh, go back there and see the fight. Um, okay, so I'll I'll say I'll say for this one hmm. I do consider it a little bit like documentation in the sense that. Um, Okay, the function already has JS doc. The function has maybe mm. a link to a functional specification. But if I go to the unit test, I can see more visually or, or quickly what's going on. Like I can mm. see, okay, I see this function. We're passing hello world and it's returning just world. Okay, I see that something is happening. I, I understand more or less without actually seeing the uh, source uh, that something is mm. happening. And 
I, okay, it's not a replacement for documentation, not a replacement for JS doc or again, specifications, but it's a plus. So you, you gain on, okay, the function is robust. And also if you write it correctly and you don't write very obscure and complicated stuff, um, can help developers also understand edge cases. So I think in, in my case, it, it's, okay. for, it, it's taking edge cases that you, I mean, how, how do you document everything on JS doc? You, you cannot paragraph or, or sure, mm. if you go to a wiki, you can write three pages on, on, different scenarios. But if you have there in the code, it's maybe it's a little bit faster. I don't know. Okay. Uh, granted that maybe edge, well, I mean, I, I think objectively speaking, yes, uh, unit testing is documentation. You're documenting the way that, th that this is done. The important thing is finding a way to actually use it or make it easier. Um, today we were talking about, um, well, it was a small discussion regarding um, a famous AI tool um, that you passed what you wanted to test or what are the, were the things that you were expecting for the test to be, and then it returned the, the, the code. For me, unit testing would be nice, and I think it would be interesting if unit testing was just the first part. When you say, I want to test, and you write a, a description of what you want to test. When I send this, I want to get this back. When I do this, I want to get this back, blah, 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 blah. And that would be, for me, how unit tests should be, you know, a very human description of what you're expecting there to happen. Yeah, I mean, I see your point. I, I see where you're coming from. Um, I do think it's quite English-like. I mean, the functions are called described, it, mm. assert, to be falsy, to be truthy. So more or less, it's very understandable. Yeah. But yes. but yeah, yeah. And, and with chat and GTP and, and Bing now, it's it's quite amazing. The version 4, it's quite, quite awesome. I was trying it today and, and really, I'm just sending it um, a piece of... A piece of a function, it returned me a bunch of tests. And the other way around as well, if I pass a test, it will give mm. me the function. Uh, not the same as, as I wrote it, but, um, but yeah, we are and, good. And besides this, what are the additional, for example, uh, tools help to help out with documentation Do you can you think of? Helping creating documentation or maybe even helping uh, document? Um, so again, going, going back to maybe tools for, for, for SaaS or for, for JS Doc as well, I think you, you can, there, there are tools that you, where you can generate microsites, right? You, you mm -hmm. can um, have it in your build. And then it will scan the code, look for looking for these annotations, this this markup, and it will create actually HTML pages with with functions and and the descriptions, as well as the the style guide with the CSS, and that could be also like hosted somewhere, um, part of your your build system, your, your your continuous integration, for designers or for other developers to to have access to, rather than going to the repository, you already have the documentation uh, available on, on a site. Well. Um, one of the, the tools that I, for example, talking about um, AI, um, Copilot, there's a plugin that I recently um, got that basically adds additional tools that you can immediately use from there, which include, let me see so I don't forget, um, for example, I have it here, uh, to make it more readable, add types, fix bugs, debug, clean, list steps, make robust, chunk, document, and, well, I think custom theme, I haven't used that one. But the documentation part was interesting. You can select uh, the element. It, it also has an explain uh, area where you select the function, you see, click on the explain, and it gives you an explanation on what the function is uh, it's supposed to be doing, you know? It, Sometimes it's good enough. Sometimes it's just a little bit obscure. But I, I like this kind of tools as well because you can also create unit testing through it. I'm not entirely sure how 100% uh, good it is. But in the end, these are tools not meant, I think, that at least currently are not meant to substitute but to enhance the work that we're doing. It's They're meant for to help us to get started or to have a starting point from where to proceed. 
that's what we want to believe, so you, we don't get out of the job. <laughs> no, so, so I think like mundane jobs like this, like writing documentation, writing unit tests, this will, will be gone, right? I mean, today mm. we already tried it, Copilot is doing a great job, and I think for some reason it's not as powerful as, as the Bing GTP examples that they're showing. Maybe mm. Microsoft hasn't yet integrated one with each other. Uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely writing docs or unit tests with, with Copilot, just do it. And now it's easier than, than never before, right? You just select the function and it will create a bunch of tests for you, paste it, move on with your life. And that's fantastic. We will still need people to 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 create like the, how to say it, the bigger picture, right? Hmm. I mean, um, I think long past are the days where you had to, okay, how do I, I don't know, how do I, how do I calculate age or something based on a year or something, right? Uh, these things already have Stack Overflow and autocompletes and everything is there. We, we shouldn't have to spend our time uh, recoding again a function to calculate age. Just just give me the function already from this massive repository of models and, and just think about the whole, the whole architecture. So, so developers need to maybe, you know, not go into those kind of jobs, but rather, you know, bigger picture, bigger... Mm. Um, yeah, bigger picture again. <laughs> bigger picture. picture photos, photos of everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, and with that, on that note, um, I think it's time to close. Um, and uh, about, uh, I would like to ask uh, anyone listening to what, how, what do you do for documentation? Do you believe in documentation? How much do you document? Just leave a comment and let us know. Thank you, Ricardo, very much. Thank you. See you in the next front-end coffee break. <laughs> and thank you all for listening in and see you next time. Bye-bye.